This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. As number two, Virginia hosts number five, Houston. You can watch the game on ESPN2. And joining me right now is Gene Wong. Gene is calling us on the hotline, the BetQL guest hotline, sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable bet- betting out opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. It's Gene Wong joining me on the BetQL guest hotline. What's going on, Gene? Hey, I'm uh, on my way to Charlottesville. Can't wait to catch this game. It should be, like you said, uh, a great one at John Paul Jones Arena. Absolutely. And just to set the scene for people listening right now, last season the two teams met. uh, The Wahoos lost by 20 points. Jaden Gardner, UVA senior forward, uh, told the Richmond Times-Dispatch earlier this week, we owe them one. It's a huge matchup, Gene. Uh, there's no question. Um, they had the circle from the beginning of the season. I mean, they got blown out at Houston's place last year. Obviously, it's a very different team in terms of confidence uh, than than last year. The, the roster, largely the same. I mean, the, the prime, T. A. Clark's still there. Jane Gardner's still there. Armand Franklin, Reese Beekman, we don't know if he's going to play. That's going to be the kind of the X factor. He was hurt in the last game, missed most of it. They still barely squeaked by James Madison. Um, if he doesn't play, it's going to could be a long day for, for UVA. I have a feeling he's going to play. He's had 11 days to recover. Um, you know, he's a gamer. He's probably the most important player outside K.A. Clark. You can argue one or the other. But, um, yeah, two versus five at John Paul Jones. You're in it. This is, you know, when you play in the ACC, you're always going to have, you know, rugged games pretty much every night. But in terms of non-conference, this is certainly um, one that even a casual college fan or non-college fan should tune into because um, Houston, the best defense in the country. Virginia, they've always been a top five defense. So um, if you if you like if you want to tune in for a rock fight, that's going to probably first team to get the sixty wins. That's probably what's going to happen today. So you mentioned Reese Beekman. I'm wondering what the latest there is from what you're reporting. Uh, we heard it was a hamstring injury. He's had 10 days to rest, but he is the most important player, I believe, for the Cavs. Uh, 10 points per game this year, 4.6 assists, 1.5 steals, half a block. Uh, he's done it all. And in their two big games earlier this season against Illinois and Michigan, he had 17 points. So he shows up in the big moments. And I like how you're leaning towards the fact that he's probably going to play today. 
Yeah, I mean, he, you know, they, when when he left the game uh, against James Madison, he came back out and was walking on his own, and um, they wanted to shut him down, obviously, because they wanted him to have an extra day to recover. They don't want to take any chances. Tony Bennett said afterwards that he thought it was a hamstring. He had hurt his foot against Michigan late in that game, um, kind of rolled up his ankle. So maybe he was favoring the leg and just, you know, stepped the wrong way or whatever. But, um, you know, the training staff is, I'm sure, giving him a ton of treatment over these last 10 days, and he's kind of shut it down for a little bit. Um, I, I full expect him to, to be on the court for a huge, huge game. You know, I mean, Houston really kind of embarrassed Virginia last year, if you want to be honest about it. They beat him by 20 points. That's usually Virginia doesn't lose to anyone by 20. I mean, that doesn't really happen to that program because there's so few possessions in a game. They don't give you that many possessions, that many chances. Um, and they rely on defense, right? But this year, you know, pretty much everyone is back from last season. They're one year more into that Tony Bennett pack line. You know, they had two transfers last year that were starting, Jane Gardner and Armand Franklin. Now Armand Franklin's become a really, really good defender. Um, he's, they're both very comfortable in not playing that pack line. And we've seen them. They're first in the ACC now in, in scoring defense and field goal percentage defense. So clearly that they've kind of settled in and, and know how to execute that. So I expect the, the, the the margin of victory to be a lot different or margin of defeat, whichever, um, to be a lot different than last year's game. Gene Wong with me here on the BetQL Hotline. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. You can follow Gene on social media, Gene underscore Wong, covering the Washington Post here in college basketball. I totally agree it's going to be a defensive game. I mean, look at the uh, Houston Cougars. They were top 10 defense last season. They're top 10 defense again this season. Tony Bennett's prided himself on the defensive side of the ball with the pack line defense. You said battle to 60. Heck, it might even be a race to 50. I mean, this is going to be a defensive battle. (laughs) Old school brawl where every possession is going to be a fight. Every bucket will matter. I think, like, free throws could be a difference. Fast break points. Like, whatever team gets more easy buckets could come out on top. Yeah, no, um, that's a great point. You mentioned free throws because Virginia in, in their wins over ranked opponents have gotten the line 20-plus times. I mean, they, they've been making their free throws down the stretch. Now, they didn't do it as well against James Madison, but you look at Illinois, you look at Michigan, you look at Baylor. I mean, they were getting to the line, you know, two dozen times. And that's kind of been the recipe, you know, to, to get it done, get those free points, right? And look at the over-under in this game. It's a 113 and a half. That just tells you exactly what you said. It could be the first of 55 that, that wins this game. And I love games like this because you cannot waste a possession. Every single one matters, especially because you see teams play such good defense. You know, a steal here, a turnover there, that could be that could in a game that could be decided by one possession, one point. You know, that could be the difference. So, and you know, these are two great coaches, and what, I know Tony Bennett values every single possession. I know it sounds like a cliche, but when you play the way Virginia does, you really have to embrace that um, mindset, um, or else you're not going to win. Two top five teams battling it out from the John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville. Number five, Houston, against number two, UVA, here with Gene Wong. Who do you think is the killer on Houston, right? If, if UVA is going to lose this game, it's because who, blank, had a, a huge game for Houston? Well, the same guy who had um, Marcus Sasser. He's a leading scorer. He dropped, I think, 20 on him last year at, at Fertitta Center in Houston. Um, the difference, though, is I think Beekman, assuming he plays, will be, will be guarding him. Um, last year, T.A. Clark guarded him um, because of some different personal issues for Houston, you know. Uh, but now it's Marcus Sasser who they know they're going to have to stop. So 
with Beekman's on him and he's anywhere near full health, I, I, that, that's, that's the matchup I'm going to be watching. I'm looking really looking forward to that. I mean, Beekman guards the other team's best player. That's just how it is. I'm assuming he's not, you know, a seven foot one center. I mean, any other player, he's going to he's going to guard he's going to guard you know one through four, right? So. Um, with Beefman on him, that's going to free up K.A. Clark a little bit. I mean, Jam- the Jamal Shea, K.A. Clark matchup, both two natural point guards. Um, K.A. Clark's a better scorer than Shed. Shed averages six a game, and Houston doesn't play at a very fast pace, much like Virginia. So six times, that's a lot, you know, for a team that doesn't uh, doesn't have that many possessions. Um, he's a great point guard, but so is K.A. Clark. I mean, so, and K.A. could be the difference, too. I mean, he's going to have to score the ball this time. He's going to have to score the ball. If Beekman is, is going to be expending as much energy as I think he will on defense, guarding Sasser, Clark's going to have to score, and Franklin's going to have to, they're going to have to get contributions from, from elsewhere, because Beekman's primary job is going to be shutting down Houston's top score. ESPN 2 today at 2 p.m. to watch UVA against Houston. I believe a win for UVA would move them up to number one in the rankings. Before I let you go and enjoy the game, Gene, I have to ask, so both Virginia Tech and UVA have had strong starts to the season, and I feel like both have a strong chance to win the ACC regular season trophy. How do you think conference play shakes out? Yeah, you know, at the beginning of the season, everyone was looking at North Carolina, number one team in the country. Certainly they've, they've taken a hit, right? Um, Duke has a ton of McDonald's All-Americans. They always do. Um, but Virginia Tech has – they're the reigning they're the reigning ACC champions. I think sometimes people forget that. I mean, they won the ACC tournament last year. They had to go through Duke. They had to go through Carolina. Um they know how to they know how to step up to the moment. And they have a lot of the same guys. But Justin Mutz is you know a legitimate first team All ACC candidate. He does it all for them. Okay, and certainly they, Virginia Tech's been off to a great start. Mike Young, I have a ton of respect for a great coach. They play defense much in the same way Virginia does. I mean, they're really good after you defensively. They try to stifle you that way, um, and then they can score the ball inside and outside if they have to. Um, Hunter Couture, one of the best three point shooters in the country, certainly in the ACC. Um, yeah, they have a great shot. I, Obviously, Virginia has come on faster than people thought they would. They were not picked to be the ACC champion, but right now you got to look at the way they're playing. They're playing better than anyone in the conference. They, if they win today, they will have the best for certainly non-conference resume of any ACC team. They've already beaten uh, number five Baylor, and they've already beaten ranked Illinois, right? And they beat Michigan on the road after being down by 11 and a half time. I know Michigan is not great, but that's when you go on the road against a Power Five team and you're down 11, you come back and win with Reese Beekman hurt. That shows you that's a deep, complete team. So certainly. Either one of those two teams, Virginia Vinicek, has a great shot at winning the ACC. Gene Wong, great stuff as always. Read his work at WashingtonPost.com. Follow him on Twitter, Gene underscore Wong. Thanks so much, man. My pleasure, man. Take care. Have a good weekend. Yep, you're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to DC Sports Radio 106.7 The Fan. This Sunday, we have the World Cup Final at 10 a.m. France against Argentina. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Now it's time for my World Cup preview. You guys know I'm a huge soccer fan, so I've been watching every game during this World Cup leading up to the third place game Saturday, Croatia and Morocco. That will be uh, that's actually kicked off right now. I, I'm too busy focusing on the show. I haven't even checked the score on that game. Uh, Caitlin, behind the scenes, maybe you could let me know if anyone scored in that one. Croatia against Morocco on right now. And then the final tomorrow at 10 a.m., France against Argentina. And uh, there is some interesting news out of France's camp that they have been hit with a virus that could see the team's starting center back pairing 
missed the World Cup final. Sources have told ESPN that Rafael Varane and Kanate, who's a big part of the France defense, have not left their room because they're feeling unwell. France coach Didier Deschamps said they're doing all uh, precautions to try to stop the virus from spreading through the squad. They had two players who missed the semifinal due to sickness, including Adrian Rabiot, who they said, do not leave your room. We can't afford you getting anywhere near your teammates. Deschamps said in an interview, in Doha, temperatures have fallen a little bit. And you have air conditioning, which is on all the time. We've had a few cases of flu-like symptoms. We are trying to be careful so it doesn't spread, and players have made great efforts out on the pitch, and obviously their immune systems suffer after playing so hard throughout this World Cup. So it's France against Argentina, Sunday at 10 a.m. France trying to become the first back-to-back champs since Brazil did it with Pele in 1958 and then again in 1962. Can France deal with the flu-like system uh, symptoms going through their locker room? For Argentina, Lionel Messi has done everything throughout his career. A historic career at Barcelona. Now he's moved on to PSG, playing in France. That, a lot of his teammates during his um, club time are going to be his opponents on Sunday, including maybe the best player on the pitch, Kylian Mbappe. At 23 years old, he scored more goals than anybody at this year's World Cup. So Lionel Messi has done everything, but he's got one trophy left to add to his trophy case. Maybe the important one of all, the one that's eluded him his entire career, the World Cup trophy. Eight years ago, Lionel Messi was in this competition in the exact spot he'll be in this Sunday, in the finals against Germany. That game did not go the way he would have liked. In fact, he had a free kick to send it to extra time, excuse me, to send it to penalty kicks, And he sailed it way over the net. So, it's the two-time champs France against the two-time champs Argentina. It's Messi against Mbappe. The old goat against the young goat. Will this be a passing of the torch type game? Will Mbappe shine and use his speed and net a couple goals and lead France to victory? Or will the veteran, Lionel Messi, teach the young bull a lesson? France is an interesting team because I think most soccer fans... Diehard fans like myself would agree they have the most talent of any nation at the World Cup. Their second unit could defeat most teams. It would destroy America. Their injured players, Pogba, Conte, Benzema, although Benzema could be set to play in this finals, their injured players are some of the best in the world, and the fact that they've made the finals without them is incredible. It's a huge accomplishment. And yet, with all that talent, when I watch France, I'm like, You know what? They haven't really overpowered people as much as I expected. Most of their games have been close. Morocco had plenty of opportunities in that semifinals. It was Morocco who had a bulk of the possession in the second half. It was Morocco who had more scoring chances. They ended up losing that game, though. England came out swinging against France. Dominated possession in the second half. And they were a Harry Kane penalty kick away from sending that game to overtime. France has not really had their best performance at the World Cup yet. At least up to their full potential in my mind. Could that happen Sunday against Argentina? And for Argentina, it's all about Lionel Messi. It's all about Messi magic. Can he create passing lanes where there are none? 
Like his assist against the Netherlands? It was the most wild assist I've ever seen. He dribbled around three guys and then passed it through four. He took on the whole team and set up the goal. Can he take over this game? Can he earn a foul in a critical position? Maybe earn a penalty kick? This is going to be a fun World Cup final Sunday at 10 a.m. I'm expecting a lot of goals. I told my audience in Richmond, which you can hear me Monday through Friday from 12 to 3 p.m., I would love, and I think most viewing fans would agree, a goal in the first 15 minutes. Shake things up. Change the game plan for both teams. Open the game wide up. And then you could get more goals. You could get counterattacks after counterattacks. That's what we want to watch in a World Cup final. We want to see some goals. I know a lot of fans thought that was the most disappointing thing about America, right? You had one goal against Wales. You had no goals against England. You had one goal against, one against Iran. And then you had another goal against the Netherlands, and that was enough. That was it. You didn't get the goals from America. Well, in this World Cup final, France against Argentina, I think you're going to get the goals that American soccer fans have been waiting for. Here's my prediction, official prediction right here on the fan from Adam Epstein. Argentina will score first. France will strike back with two quick goals. Going to the half, 2-1. to one. Final score, France wins 3-2. to two. I would like to see Messi win and put that final trophy into his trophy case there, but I actually think that France is just so dominant, and I would actually support seeing the first time a back-to-back champion dominance for eight years straight since Brazil did it in 1962 with Pele, and that's the kind of talent that this France team has. And, and Kylian Mbappe, it's just so much fun to watch. I heard a stat, and I, I don't even believe it. it I, I think it's fake news, all right? Because I need to see it for myself. I need to watch this guy run a 40-yard dash like they do at the NFL Combine. But the stat I saw is that Mbappe has been running a 3.8 40-yard dash. That's how fast he's been at this World Cup. He's been breaking ankles. He is must-watch soccer whenever he gets the ball at his feet. And it's the same thing with Lionel Messi. So it's going to be a ton of fun. I, I am poor everybody listening right now to get to a bar early, 9.15, 9.30 tomorrow, and watch the World Cup final at 10 a.m. Then you could take a nap and get ready for Sunday night football, Commanders against the Giants. I'll break down Commanders-Giants next on The Fan with Joe House of The Ringer. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. The son of the junks is back here on a Saturday morning. Keep it locked and loaded here to 106.7 The Fan until 12 noon. Right now talking about what might be the biggest football matchup in the DMV area in the past 20 years. I definitely think it's the be- uh, the biggest game since 2012 when we had that game against the Cowboys with RG3 limping into the end zone and Washington getting into the playoffs in his rookie season. Joining me right now to break it all down is House from D.C., Joe House from The Ringer. What's going on, House? Hey, what? What's up, baby? (laughs) I love getting you on the show, buddy. How crazy is it that we're talking about a playoff push? This team was 1-4, and and I declared at the start of basketball season. I was ready to stop talking commanders altogether, and yet here we are. So if we want to be glass half full about it, and I am a very positive 
kind of guy. Positive vibes only, Awad. You know this. <laughs> we, we give Ron Rivera credit because this is the second time in three years that he has taken a team that started off slow and looked pretty pedestrian and has them in a, in a playoff hunt. And, you know, you mentioned that this might be the most important game in the last 20 years. I mean, part of that is because it's so rare that we're actually threatening to, to make the playoffs here uh, in Washington. But, um, you know, in terms of both sides of the ball uh, and the talent that this team possesses, now the Kirk Cousins team that made the playoffs and lost in the first round to Green Bay back was that 2015 or so. Yeah. That was a pretty talented um, team. But I like the talent of this Washington team. Um, it felt like this might be, you know, still kind of a year away when the season started. But all credit. I mean, the defense uh, is showing us the identity that we asked for, that we've been asking for. And there's no denying the difference between Taylor Heineke playing quarterback and Carson Wentz playing quarterback. Absolutely. I mean, it just shows you in the NFL, you know, everything, nothing's easy in the NFL. But it is easier to win games when you have a dominant defense and a rushing attack that can run for over 100, maybe even 150 yards every single game. You know, a big topic on my show today has already been callers asking for Taylor Heineke to scramble more. And I think we all want to see Heineke magic, more of that, especially when we watch that awkward loser Daniel Jones rush for 170 yards against us. So, House, why do you think we haven't seen more runs from Heineke? Um, I think in terms of the play calling with, with Turner, that they have been building in room for him to scramble behind the line of scrimmage, but not go out and advance the ball vertically with, with the run. Um, and I think a lot of it has been a matter of protection for him. Uh, I, I do think what you're, just, you're talking about, and I agree with everybody that's calling in and saying so, a couple of design runs where that where you know he can get to safety quickly, and, uh, and and by safety I don't mean the second level. I mean get on the ground after four yards. Um, but the Giants' defense is susceptible to it. They've had trouble setting the edge, and they need huge games out of Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams um, to to you know create pressure. They blitzed the hell out of Washington two weeks ago, and one of the ways to to pop that blitz balloon is to get the quarterback moving vertically a little bit. So I, I hope we see it. But I think it, it, up to now it's just been a, a function of, like, let's just keep this guy on the field. <laughs> hey, joined by Joe House of, of The Ringer. Follow him on social media, House from D.C. You work with a lot of national writers. Has the national perspective changed on Washington? Or are people just like, yeah, you know what, they, they've won a few games, but they're also playing a, a lousy schedule? I think folks have been um, – you know, pretty generous that there is a recognition that the defense, uh, you know, is showing some stuff. Um, Benjamin St. Juice has been kind of a revelation. <laughs> Cam Curl has been um, solid. And, you know, there was never any question about the, the ability to, to rush uh, up front. And, you know, Deron Payne, uh, um, Montez Sweat, uh, Jonathan Allen, they've been handling their business. Maybe we get Chase Young back. So there is recognition of the talent on defense. And we're in the time of year, especially now, where defense is king. Um, nobody has any illusion about Heineke. Uh, everybody likes the story as a, the plucky underdog. But nobody <laughs> thinks that Washington is a serious threat to do anything 
uh, if they get into the playoffs. But it's it's still like a tap on the on the hat for for job well done to even be in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I'm the crazy homer that believes if Washington gets in the playoffs, based off of the matchups, we could win a playoff game, especially if it's Minnesota. Can't believe we lost that game after having a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter. House, what are your biggest keys to getting a Sunday night primetime victory against the New York Giants? Where do you think this game is going to be won? Um, in the trenches, just like all of these NFC matchups that I've been watching for the last 30 years. Um, Got to <laughs> Got to make uh, Daniel Jones uncomfortable. We sacked him four times two weeks ago. We got to do that again. Um, you got to bottle up Saquon Barkley so that those limited. You know, the, the problem for the Giants, they are ahead of schedule. And, and this all goes to um, the quality of the hire that Brian Dayball uh, turned out to be. They really don't have the talent to be in the position that they're in. They have a great coach who brought in a great coaching staff. And they coached their way into some victories early in the season with a bunch of fourth-quarter heroics. But talent-wise, there's a talent deficit for the Giants. So Washington needs to take advantage of that. We watched Philly go over the top again and again with the passing attack. We need to see a ton of Terry McLaurin. We need to see Curtis Samuel touching the ball. And we have to put the pressure on on, on DJ, Danny Dimes, and, and just bottle up Barkley. And I like it. Now, I don't... You know, the line is four and a half, which just feels way too rich for me. I don't have any interest in laying that many points. But I like the position of us. Got to get out to a quick lead, hold the lead, let the Giants do the comeback they're going to do, and then, you know, just hold on and win the game. Yeah, I don't want Taylor to be in a position where he has to drive the length of the field uh, like he did last game. I got a little lucky there, especially on that fourth down throw. My goodness. House, how cool is the Brian Robinson story? Bulletproof. Shot twice, missed four weeks. And the biggest thing I've noticed is the yards per carry, right? When he first came back against Tennessee, 2.4 yards per carry. Nine attempts to 22 yards. Against Atlanta, he got it up to 5.8 yards per carry, 18 times for 105 yards. 96 yards against the Giants. How cool is the Brian Robinson Jr. story, man? This is the version that, you know, in the preseason, the buzz was was getting loud about Brian Robinson Jr. and what uh, he was going to deliver in terms of offense and the flexibility that Scott Turner was going to have. And this was going to take a lot of the pressure off of Carson Wentz being in situations like in the early season where – um, you know, the, the end-of-game situations with Wentz, you know, that gamble that you have to take. Robinson was supposed to help change that, that direction, and this is the player that, that, you know, they drafted. This is the player that they hoped he would be. It just took half the season to get there. I mean, we went through a lot of offensive line shuffling and injuries as well, but this is the version of, of the offensive line. I know we have a, a different center starting this week. This version of the line, Plus this version of Robinson, it's what you know you could point to as one of the simple data points over the last you know the stretch of, of success. We're rushing the ball more, rushing the ball successfully more, and and here we are on a, on a, on a little bit of a winning streak uh, and and a team that's threatening for the playoff. So, House, you know, I'm an out-of-the-box thinker, and I think part of the season turnaround, you got to give Rivera a ton of credit, the defense, the rushing attack, but I think part of the turnaround might have to do with the fact that there were all these rumors about Dan Snyder selling the team, and although the team will say, oh, yeah, we've been you know, not listening to distractions, I think the fans more 
want to support the team now that you have rumors of him selling. The fans want to come out and support the team by coming to the games. And so I'm expecting a really good crowd Sunday. There will be a ton of Giants fans. I know that. But I think the Commanders fans will be there. They'll be loud and they'll be proud. Hey, this is why we get along. You're another glass half full kind of fella. I hope what you're saying is right. Um, For sure, there's nothing but unanimous uh, uh, over-the-top joy in, in every corner about the idea of Dan Snyder no longer being associated with our beloved franchise. But translating into actual human bodies showing up out in Prince George's County on a Sunday night. Now, it is helpful. The kids are all home from school, so maybe folks will feel like, okay, I can go out on Sunday night. The fact that, it, that I'll get home at 3 in the morning because I have to sit in traffic for two hours, it's a worthwhile investment. That's trade-off I'm willing to make. I house am not willing to do that, but uh, I can understand why other people would do it. Uh, and I hope what you're saying is right, that it's a great crowd, an old-school Washington crowd that comes out and, you know, NFC tilt, let's go kick those boys' ass. Final score prediction, House. Washington, 20. New York Giants, 16. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks so much for joining the show today, man. I appreciate it. Always. Anytime for you, Awood! <laughs> He's the man. That's House from D.C. Check him out by going to TheRinger.com for all of their podcasts. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. One eight hundred six three six one zero six seven. Let's go out to my guy Mitch in Jersey. Mitch, you're on the fan. How you doing, Adam? Thanks for taking. I'm, I'm good, buddy. How are you? Happy Fest is good. Good. All good here. Um, well, hopefully, I don't want. Hopefully, uh, Hanneke stays uh, healthy because I don't want to see Carson. I guess I have to wait till next year for Sam. But uh, with the game Sunday night, um, I just want to see them run the ball. We have a couple good running backs, especially Robinson, and we got the. Dear, uh, what's his name? Daniel Jones to throw. Because they're hurting that wide receiver, it looks to me. Mitch, great call, man. I appreciate you chiming in, as always. Always appreciate you, loyal listener to the show. Uh, I think you definitely got to stop Daniel Jones running and make him throw. I mean, that is the key to the defensive side of the ball for Washington. Make New York one-dimensional, have to run, run, run. Then you'll set them up with third and longs for Washington. Yeah, it's, the game plan is to run the ball, but I think it's the type of runs. I really think Scott Turner's got to get into his bag here uh, with the play calling. Look at the way San Francisco played against the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night football. That's how Washington wins this game, right? The type of runs that they did were just impressive. They ran for 170 yards against the Seahawks. They had lead blockers. They had uh, misdirection play. They had just guys going in motion just to force linebackers to hesitate for a minute. Kyle Shanahan called a perfect game on Thursday Night Football. I'm looking for Scott Turner to do the same for the rushing attack. If Washington can run for over 150 yards, they win this game. All right, at this time right now, It's time to talk about which teams do I believe get into the playoffs as we go around the NFL, discuss this weekend's matchups, and pick some winners here on The Fan. If you want to chime in, 1-800-636-1067, or you can always tweet me at AWOD Radio. I think people have forgotten we've got three football games today, including 1 p.m. Colts against the Vikings. Vikings win that matchup, and that'll help their playoff 
their playoff seeding tremendously uh, because they are there's still a few teams, including San Francisco, that could overtake them in the two position there. Uh, Ravens Browns today at four thirty, and then Dolphins Bills is the night game. That's going to be a good one on NFL Network, and that division is still up for grabs. So, who do I want think will make the playoffs? Let's start with the AFC. Uh, look, Buffalo is going to be the one seed or the two seed. It it is a toss up right now between them and Kansas City. Both teams are tied, but. Buffalo has the tiebreaker based off of the head-to-head win over Kansas City earlier this season. And I do think whoever gets home field advantage between the two of them, that's going to be massive if they meet again in the playoffs. So I will say Buffalo gets the one seed based off of that tie and who they played towards the end of the season. Kansas City will have the two seed. The three seed is where I think we're going to get some movement, all right? So... Right now, Baltimore is ahead of Cincinnati, even though the teams are both 9-4 and four based off of the head-to-head win percentage. But Baltimore is without Lamar Jackson. Baltimore is without Tyler Huntley. They're going to struggle to win another game towards the end of the season. Yes, they're 9-4. and four. Yes, their defense is great. But they don't have a quarterback. How are they going to win this Sunday against the Cleveland Browns? If Deshaun Watson does anything... I think Cleveland has a shot to win that game. Baltimore scored 16 points, somehow beat the Steelers. Steelers are bad. Scored 10 points, somehow beat the Broncos. Broncos are awful. All right, you look at that. Cleveland's got to find a way to score more than 16 points. I think Deshaun Watson can do that, and they can beat the Ravens. And then the Ravens have the Falcons, Steelers, and Bengals. Maybe they win Falcons-Steelers game, but they lose to the Bengals final week of the season. Bengals end up being the three seed in the AFC, I believe. And then the four seed... That's going to be the Tennessee Titans. Look, they have a two-game advantage right now over the Jags, who did just beat them last week. Uh, but I think, look, it's December. It's the cold months now. What wins football? Running games. You look at King Henry, Derrick Henry still running uh, for 90 to 100 yards every game. Tennessee will win that division and be the four seed. The five seed there, all right, it's going to be interesting. All right? There's three wild card spots now. And I think Baltimore has a chance to be one of them. But I think the number five seed is definitely going to be the Miami Dolphins. Heck, the Miami Dolphins could get hot and somehow end up winning that, win that division. I don't think that happens, but I do think they end up with 10 wins on the season, which would put them ahead of Baltimore, who I think is just really going to struggle here uh, at the end of this, this stretch run here. So I have Bal- uh, Miami as the five seed. I'll have Baltimore as the six seed. And I like... Los Angeles Chargers to get in as the seventh seed over the New England Patriots and over the New York Jets. Look, the Jets are starting Zach Wilson again this weekend. All right, they didn't want to start Zach Wilson. They wanted to start Mike White. Uh, the the coaching staff, excuse me, the doctors did not clear Mike White for full contact, and so the Jets have to start Zach Wilson. He makes his return under center against the Detroit Lions. And we know the Lions can score the rock a a ton. So I don't think Zach Wilson's going to be able to put enough points on the board for the Jets to win this game. They've got the Jaguars. The Jaguars have given people some tough times, including Washington Week 1. Then at Seattle, at Miami, the Jets are in trouble. They don't get into the playoffs. And I think New England, I don't know what to expect from New England's quarterback situation there. Mac Jones has really struggled. They did just have a big win over the Cardinals, uh, but Kyler Murray got hurt in that game. Colt McCoy couldn't do anything. 
They've got Raiders this weekend who have been playing better as of late. Bengals are hottest team in football. Dolphins and then Bills. I think the Patriots lose the final three games of the season and do not make the playoffs. So in the AFC, I have Chargers as the seven seed, Ravens six, Dolphins five, Titans four, Bengals three, Chiefs two, Bills one. Over to the NFC. So your coach of the year has to be Nick Sirianni because the Eagles are 12-1 and and they might not lose another game this season. I mean, look, Washington created a game plan and the playbook for how to defeat the Philadelphia Eagles, but it's tough to recreate that. You've got to cause about four turnovers, and you've got to have about 40 minutes of possession. No other team can do that. The Eagles are going to be the one seed in the NFC. The two seed, though, I think there's nobody stopping the 49ers right now. Brock Purdy is proven to be a, a pretty damn good quarterback. And it's so easy to play quarterback in the NFL when you can run for 170 yards. And so the pass rushers are so worried about the rushing attack and Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield catching balls that they leave Brandon Ayuk wide open. They leave Dabo Samuel wide open when he's healthy. And he's a playmaker. He's a star. San Francisco probably has the best defense in the NFC, maybe the best defense in the NFL this season. They're going to be the two seed, and they're the team to watch out for. You know, you heard Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit on Thursday Night Football saying San Francisco looks like they're poised to make a Super Bowl run like they did a few seasons ago with Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see if they can do that with Brock Purdy, but I do think they are the favorites in the NFC going into the playoffs. They'll be my two-seed. Three-seed Minnesota Vikings. That's a matchup that I think Washington wants. Four-seed will be Tampa Bay. The question there is, will they even be 500 at the time? Uh, They'll get in over the lousy Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons, as well as the New Orleans Saints. Tom Brady will be playoff bound, but I don't believe he ends up winning a playoff game because he's going to have the worst matchup there as the five-seed will be the most likely Dallas Cowboys who I think they're going to continue winning games. They did not look good against the Texans, but their defense is steadily improving. And they finally said, hey, you know what? Zeke might be the million-dollar man that we're paying, but Tony Pollard is our explosive play playmaker. we got to give him the rock. Uh, he has been so spectacular this season. Cowboys are the fifth seed there, and I think they upset Tampa Bay in the playoffs. Sixth seed. I'd love it to be the Washington Commanders. I'm going to go on the record saying it is the Washington Commanders. And the seventh seed here, I do believe will still be the New York football Giants because I don't believe in the Seahawks. I don't believe in the Lions. I don't believe in the Packers, Panthers, none of the other teams in the mix, any of the teams sniffing for the playoffs. I think Seattle's the closest team sniffing around, uh, but I, I just think I look at the rest of their schedule for them, and it, look, they're coming off of a, a two-game losing streak, right? Panthers and 49ers. They needed to win one of those games because you got Chiefs, Jets, Rams. Rams are not good this year, but Seattle squeaked by the Rams with a late touchdown three weeks ago. I think they lose to the Chiefs, lose to the Jets, maybe win that Rams game but eight game eight wins is not enough to put Seattle into the playoffs. If you disagree with me at all, you can tweet me at AWOD Radio. That's A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. Or you can call the show, 1-800-636-1067. 1-800-636-1067. It's open lines here on AWOD Radio. If you want to talk about the World Cup, call me, 1-800-636-1067. You want to talk college basketball, UVA against Houston. Virginia Tech off to a, a, a huge start, a solid start this season. They're going to contend for the ACC regular season title when conference play begins in just a few weeks. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 